children are just misdirected. Yes. Yep. The scripture this morning is 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. But they did not belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But by going out they made it plain that none of them belongs to us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and you know that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I write these things to you concerning those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and So you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you or has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he is revealed, we may have confidence and not be put to shame before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Dean. If you, if you haven't seen it every week, Dean goes above and beyond the, the uh, requirements or duties of most I still say SDMI. What do we call it now? I was out of the country, so I, have, I don't know. I can't keep the acronym straight. NDI. I don't know. But uh, every week sends out a devotional with quite a bit of substance. And if you don't get that email, you, sh- you should look for that or let us know. Good, good stuff there. <clears throat> well, I love, I love stories. I love literature. I love to read. I like to write. My family is definitely a reading home. Uh, our kids get read to a crazy amount, and I believe that's part of why they're such good readers themselves. Uh, some of my favorite—I uh, like kids' stories as well as, as you know, adult stories, fiction, nonfiction. And I remember as a kid reading the stories of Winnie the Pooh. 
um, and then, you know, left those aside for a long time. And then with kids, and for some reason they're free on iPads. That was part of like the iBooks, if you know that. Um, there's always the little collection of Winnie the Pooh books and uh, at some point read those and now I've read them to each of the kids. And one of the common themes, themes in Winnie the Pooh stories, let's show of hands real quick. Does everybody know who I'm talking about? Pooh Bear? Everybody know who Winnie the Pooh is? Anybody not know? Okay. <clears throat> so one of the common things and themes in Winnie the Pooh stories is the, uh, like a mistaken understanding, uh, kind of a weird, bad foundation for some sort of quest or journey. There's always some sort of misinformation uh, because after all, these main characters are stuffed animals, right? So like Pooh is often described as a bear of very little brain. So because of that, they hear something wrong or they don't quite understand and they go off on, in search of something or to do something. It never really amounts to anything except really a boy just having fun with his stuffed animals alone, um, which is an only child I can kind of relate to. And, and then the story's over. <clears throat> so there's, you know, the, the stories of the heffalumps uh, or there's the time when they have the journey or the expotition, as they call it, to the North Pole. And, and then there's talk about maybe having expeditions to the East and West Poles as well, which would make for a great story, which, you know, if you know anything about the world, isn't really possible, right? Um, but the one that stood out to me the most, and you're probably wondering, there's a sermon with the word Antichrist in the title, and we're talking about Winnie the Pooh. So I, I want to try to, try to keep you guessing. The, the, the thing that stood out to me as I was thinking of this section and what John is trying to write about, because what I'm trying to do, remember, in this series is I'm trying to just kind of explain and bring to light John's purposes in these letters. Um, he's trying to encourage a church or, or the church, because these letters are written generally, not to a particular group necessarily. Uh, they don't have like the name of a city on them, like a lot of Paul's letters. <clears throat> So the idea is that they're written for a lot of folks with the idea of standing firm in the faith. Basically, you've heard the faith. You know the faith. You've, you've been told the gospel. So don't be, don't be swayed, right? Don't go back into the darkness, as he says, that kind of thing. So in other words, there's, there's some misinformation out there. Don't, don't let it sway you. Hold fast to the truth. And as I was thinking about this theme today, in particular the story where Kanga and Baby Roo move into the Hundred Acre Woods stood out to me, if you remember this one at all. So Kanga is a kangaroo. And she has a baby named Roo. And they move to the Hundred Acre Forest. And all the animals are very concerned. <clears throat> now, I'm just going to read a little bit. Um, but it's funny. And you'll see where I'm going, hopefully. So nobody seemed to know where they came from, but they were there in the forest, Kanga and Baby Roo. When Pooh asked Christopher Robin, how did they come here? Christopher Robin said, in the usual way, if you know what I mean, Pooh. And Pooh, who didn't, said, oh. And then he nodded his head twice and he said, in the usual way. Ah. Then he went to call upon his friend Piglet to see what he thought about it. And at Piglet's house, he found Rabbit. So now they've got a whole group. <clears throat> and they talked about it together. <clears throat> Excuse me. What I don't like about it is, said Rabbit, here we are, you, Pooh, and you, Piglet, and me, and suddenly, and Eeyore, said Pooh, oh, and Eeyore, and then suddenly, and Owl, oh, okay, yes, and Owl, and then all of a sudden, oh, and Eeyore, says Pooh, <clears throat> I was forgetting him, here we are, says Rabbit, very slowly and carefully, all of us, and then suddenly we wake up one morning, and what do we find? We find a strange animal among us, an animal whom we've never heard before. An animal who carries her family about in her pocket. 
Suppose I carried my family about in my pocket. How many pockets should I want? And then they go off and I'll skip this. And then just one other section here. Oh, I see, says Pooh. Well, the best way, so they have to figure out how to get rid of Kanga is the point. The best way, says Rabbit, would be this. The best way would be to steal baby Roo and hide him. And when Kanga says, where's baby Roo? Say, aha. Aha, said Pooh, practicing. Aha, of course, he went on. We could all say, aha, even if we hadn't stolen baby Roo. Pooh, said Rabbit kindly, you haven't any brain. I know, said Pooh humbly. We say, aha, so that Kanga knows that we know where baby Roo is. Aha means we'll tell you where baby Roo is if you promise to go away from the forest and never come back. Now don't talk while I think. There's just one thing, said Piglet, fidgeting a bit, and this is, this is kind of the point. I was talking to Christopher Robin. This is where all of this comes from. And he said that Kanga was generally regarded as one of the fiercer animals. I'm not frightened of fierce animals in the, in the ordinary way, but it is well known that if one of the fiercer animals is deprived of its young, it becomes as fierce as two of the fiercer animals, in which case, aha, is perhaps a foolish thing to say. Piglet, said Rabbit, taking out a pencil and licking the end of it, you haven't any pluck. It's hard to be brave, said Piglet, sniffing slightly, when you're only a very small animal. Rabbit, who began to write very busily, looked up and said, It's because you're a very small animal that you will be useful in this adventure before us. Piglet was so excited at the idea of being useful that he forgot to be frightened anymore. And when Rabbit went to say that Kangas were only fierce during the winter months, being at one of the times of an affectionate disposition, at other times of affectionate disposition, he could hardly sit still. He was so eager to begin being useful at once. And so they set off on this, on this journey to capture the, the fierce, dangerous kangaroo, Kanga, and get rid of her baby. So the, the, the point is this. You're probably wondering, well, what's this all about? It's funny. Just filling time, perhaps. So John is dealing with something similar here. What he says is that people have misunderstood his teachings. Rightly or wrongly, we don't really know. It is quite possible, given the fact that all of Israel kind of didn't quite understand this as well, that it was unintentional. It could also be that it was intentional and that there's somebody who, but it says they've gone out from us. So somebody's gone out from him, from their group, and they've begun teaching something called, under the same message, the same name as John, the gospel, but it's not. It's something has happened. Kind of like these little stuffed animals. Have, they've heard that Kanga is a fierce animal. And because of this, they, they go off. And this happens in all the stories. Every one of the stories has the same kind of theme. Um, where they don't quite understand. And as a result, all sorts of weird things happen. And John is basically saying, whether it's intentional or not, there's a, a message being preached. And my name is being tacked onto it. The, the, you know, our group is being added on as if this person is one of ours, you know, one of, our, one of my disciples. That's how it worked. But, it's, but they're not. He's saying they're not from us. And there's one really big, 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 big difference. And I need you to know this. And so, so please pay attention to this false teaching and uh, don't get confused. So what might that teaching be? So remember his thesis, the thesis statement that we've seen in this letter is that God is light and in him there is no darkness. 
a kind of a thesis statement for all of these letters. We can easily add by reading further and all through the letters that this light has been revealed once and for all in Jesus, in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Right? That the Messiah, the Lord, Christ, Christ is not a name, it's a title, it means Lord, and it connotes or involves divinity, lordship, that's how they meant it, more than like kingship, or else they might just call him king. It meant kind of a divine sort of king, a holy ruler. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through whom all things were created. This is how the church ended up putting this all together. This Jesus, this is the fullness of light revealed. So, God is light, in him there is no darkness. And how do we know where we've seen this? We've seen it in Jesus. And then John basically says, I saw that in person. Some of you did. I was with him. I bring that message to you. And so any message that comes from me that says something different about Jesus, don't get confused by that. He says, that's not the message. That'll send you off on a weird, you know, expotition to the east, um, to, the, to the pole. And there's, you're never going to find it. Okay? He says, instead, dwell in the light. Stand firm in the light. Follow Jesus. Don't return to darkness. But this group is spreading something other than this. Now, according to John, this person or group, we don't really know because singular and plural are both used, so we'll just say group, is Antichrist or Antichrist. Now, you might find this interesting. Quick note, this is the only place in Scripture where that title or term is used. It's not used in the book of Revelation. It's not used in Daniel. It's just here. Now, often this title is kind of conflated or, or, or uh, used for other persons or roles. And maybe that's fair. But as far as when it's actually used, this is it. Some of those other persons or roles in the New Testament, there's the, the man of lawlessness from Second Thessalonians, could be an antichrist type figure. Certainly there's the beast or there's the two dragons in Revelation. Sometimes these fi figures are referred to as antichrist. But as far as that term is actually used, this is the only place in Scripture. And, and strictly speaking, it's a very, very literal term. It means somebody or people who are antichrist who reject his Christhood, his God-divine status, his Lord status. That's what he means. He means that there's a person or a group who's gone out from us teaching a very similar message, but they're teaching that Jesus was just, just a guy, just a teacher. That they're not, but he's not Christ. He's not Lord. Does that make sense? Very simple, but it, it, it's very, very important. So very literally, the Antichrist or the Antichrists are those who reject Jesus' divinity, that his lordship. Just a good guy, but he's not, he's not God. Now, could it be a misunderstanding or could it be intentional? Who knows? I think probably some of both. Because that, that term, when you understand it that way, that term could, could be used fairly in a broad way. Lots of people are Antichrist. Not necessarily like one figure we need to try to figure out who it's going to be. That's for another day. But um, misunderstanding or not, it could be that he's referring to the whole group or maybe a leader from that, the, the Gnostic Judaizers we talked about, the group of, of, of Jewish 
people that, that maybe accepted Jesus, but, but didn't accept his divinity, his lordship at all, and so taught that he was just human, and ended up kind of pursuing a very anti-worldly, um, spiritual-only, everything kind of, kind of belief system. Could be somebody who very intentionally is corrupting John's message. Who knows? Could be one, could be the other, could be both. But literally, it's just the rejection of Jesus as Christ. Now, as I mentioned, I think this is really common. So anybody, technically, who, who has presented with Jesus as Lord and says something like, I can buy Jesus, I can buy into that, he's a good guy, he's a prophet, he's a teacher, but all this stuff about him being God, Lord, whatever, no. Um, it, a lot of books, a lot of literature, a lot of movies out there that you might see or read, they have this. If you pay attention, I, I do this because I'm kind of nerdy and I guess given my profession, you'll see um, faith, sometimes even directly Christianity represented in, in movies and books, but it's, it's, it's usually like God heavy in a generic way and Jesus light if Jesus is ever mentioned. Pay attention to that. You'll notice that often the God who is used as, as God in, in books and films is usually like the God of the Old Testament. Sometimes there's Old Testament passages referred to, that sort of thing. But almost never Jesus. Because Jesus is a sticking point. You either take him or you don't. He, it, it, it changes things. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament, but in a way that becomes very specific. He teaches some very specific, kind of strange things. Love your enemies? What? No. Eye for an eye. We, we like that. You know, forgive people? 77 times? I can't do the math. No. We don't need to forgive. You get one chance and that's all. You can kind of square that with, if you separate the Old Testament and the New, with just a... Old, simply an Old Testament understanding of God. So often you see this. And, and a lot of people have, have a kind of deistic understanding of God. And they'll just refer to God or even the church or scripture in a way that doesn't account for Jesus's, I like to say his messiness. Like, you know, he was human. He was like one of us. He, he, he went through the temptations of, of the flesh that we talked about last week and doesn't give in to them. He, he teaches a way of life that, frankly, doesn't make sense all the time. He goes to death on a cross when he could have called up 10,000 angels, right, and slaughtered everyone. So often we see this kind of subtly twisted antichrist type faith. Well, you might have Jesus... But he's just a guy, just a good guy, but not the Messiah, not the Lord, not the Christ. Uh, in verse 22, John says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is Antichrist. This is what he's saying. The one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He goes on to say, um, so the, basically if you will, but, but Jesus is central to our faith. His, his Christhood, his, his Lordship Jesus as Lord is central to the Christian faith. So he says, if you profess the Son, like as Lord is what he means, if you profess the Son, you profess the Father. That's what he says. Because we're on this end of the story, not that end. It was different then, but now Jesus has come. And he is central to the gospel. If you profess him, you profess the Father. If you claim him, you claim the Father. If you reject him, though, you're rejecting the Father. So he says, let's not do that. 
Let's not pretend like somehow we can separate them. Jesus is the full revelation of the light of God's holiness, of God's love, of God's being. To deny the Father is to deny the Son, but to confess the Son, he says, is to confess the Father. So with that, he says, don't be mistaken by the false teachings because there's lots of them. And this is as true 2,000 years ago as it is now. There's often very subtle differences you've got to pay attention to. Sometimes the person is just mistaken. You know, we're, we're very quick these days to, you know, they look good, they, they talk well. Some Christian publishing company likes them and so, bam, they've got a DVD contract or a small group thing and we just buy in and let them teach us. And they may not know anything about the faith. They may have like a, you know, a Sunday school class under their belt and that's it. No, no degrees, no training or something. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's just in between. Maybe the person's ignorant. Maybe the person's manipulative. Maybe they're in between. But there are all kinds of bad teachings or, or, or not accurate teachings out there. Don't be mistaken. Hold on to the gospel. He says, you, you know it. You've been anointed. That's what he's saying. You've been anointed with the truth. I and others who were with Jesus have been with you. We've told you all about him. We've told you the gospel. We've told you that he is Lord. He says, abide in Christ. Abide in the light. So that when he comes, comes again, we won't be put to shame. He says it would be really shameful if Jesus returns and we have everything that we need to know who he is, to, to accept him, to profess him, because probably when he comes, he'll be a lot like he was when he left. And so the people who didn't accept him then probably won't accept him now either. That's a whole side note. But I, I often, we, we for some reason think that when Jesus shows up, everybody's going to just believe in him all of a sudden. But most likely, if you didn't believe in him before, you won't believe in him now. He says, don't be put to shame. You know the gospel. Hold on to it. Cling to it. Even if somebody else is teaching something different, cling to it. You're anointed. You have true knowledge of Jesus. Don't be tempted to go against this, he says. The point is simple. But it's oh so important. Jesus is Lord. You can say that with me. Jesus is Lord. That's kind of like the summary of faith. Uh, forever. And in the early church especially, because there was a big, big teaching. Somebody else was Lord at the time. Caesar. So the church often said, Jesus is Lord. Sometimes quietly, because they knew what would happen. But all, there were all kinds of other lordships claimed around. But they said, no, Jesus is Lord. And it means he's divine. That he's God. He is light. Light revealed to all of us, once and for all. And we must get this. So simple, but so important. Now this is something I think that's really practical. And I think that if you talk to people around you who reject Christian faith, or maybe they are Christian light, or kind of they walk away from it, maybe as a kid they went to the church, but they don't, they're not so happy with it, they'll say something like this. And C.S. Lewis talks about this in a helpful way. They might say something like, I, Jesus seems like a really nice guy. I don't have any trouble with the idea that he was a historical figure. Like he clearly lived. He clearly died. Seems like he made a stir. Um, people, you know, he, people liked him. They followed him. Seems like he helped a lot of people. You know, he taught a good, good, nice, peaceful way to live. That kind of thing. So far, so good, right? Have you ever encountered somebody like this? Maybe you are or have felt this way before. But this idea that he was God, uh, that doesn't make any sense. We can't prove that, which no, you can't. Um, it, it's, it's really messy. Um, I don't, I don't believe that. I, I don't know what, it, things like healings, we can't, that doesn't make sense with science. Uh, exorcisms, that's weird. I don't want to talk about that. 
all that spiritual stuff. He's going to come again. He was risen from the dead. No, that was all lies. But he was a good guy. No, no problem. I'm all okay with, we could just have a nice earthly religion, uh, kind of Buddhism sort of faith, where we just think Jesus is a good guy, and we try to live like him, and then we just kind of get rid of the church and the Bible and all that stuff all together. You with me? You've heard this before? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you've been tempted to think this way before. C.S. Lewis says this, and I think this is such a helpful way of thinking about this. He says, at the end of the day, that, that we, have, we have this question to ask ourselves and to answer about Jesus. That either Jesus was a liar, that he was a lunatic, or that he's Lord. Now, what does that mean? That's what we're going to wrap up with. So what I mean is this. After church, we're probably going to get some food somewhere. If you ever want to get some lunch together, let me know. I'd be happy to do that. We have a sick kid at home, so today we're probably going to go through the drive-thru. But uh, let's say we're all going to, to a restaurant. Fast food, slow food. My kids would always say, is it a quick food restaurant? Um, no, nowadays, none of them are, right? Um, so let's say we're going into a restaurant and there's somebody out on the street corner with those sandwich boards. The end is near. Um, you know, I am Jesus incarnate to tell you, you know, give me $2,500 or leave the world behind and follow me or something. But the point is, this person is teaching that maybe he is, he's Jesus returned. Well, I mean, we do believe that Jesus will return. So it's possible that the guy on the corner is Jesus. Have you ever seen one of these folks? Okay, um, so maybe you stop and talk to him for a while and he's telling you what you need to do with your wife or your husband and your money and the world and your job and all this stuff and repent and, and you're listening and you have to make a decision. Either he's totally lying to you like he just wants some money or I don't know, he wants your car or something like that or um, he's crazy. Usually that's what we go for. That's the option we go for is that something happened at some point and he's not quite, you know, he's a couple, couple crayons short of the box. And um, he means well, but, but something's not firing right. So he's, he's a lunatic. He's crazy. He could be harmful, in fact. Or there is that remote possibility that he really is Jesus reincarnate and you should get on your knees and, and praise him. Um, so, so the point is this. It's just the way it was 2,000 years ago. If Jesus was just a really good guy who had really good teachings, was helpful to so many people, super nice, everybody liked him, that kind of thing, who wouldn't like Jesus? Well, what do you do with these things? Even though he doesn't talk about it a lot, he does make claims to divinity. He does exercise demons. Uh, and there are, you know, there's plenty of healing instances. There's even a couple, uh, you know, resurrections. Lazarus and the little girl. Well, when you factor those in, you've either got a really good guy who's lying through his teeth, creating a false religion, or you have somebody who's a total nut job. He's wacko, and people are falling in line behind him, or he's telling the truth. Do you, do you get the point? You can't have both. So what C.S. Lewis is saying is, because he was into apologetics, and this is kind of one of his key things, he says, look... You can't tell me that Jesus is just a nice guy. You have no problem with him. Good teacher. We could all benefit from his rules. And then, like, what are you going to do with his exorcisms and his healings and some of these teachings that he makes? Like, he's not a good guy. He's crazy or he's a liar. Or all of it's true. 
right? So, so this is what this is what Lewis says. But this is effectively what John is saying as well. He said, "You got to make a choice. My gospel, the gospel that I've been preaching to you, is a gospel that says Jesus is a good guy. He, he was human." All of this, but he also is divine. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. It's not exactly what we thought was going to happen, but it's exactly what God did. Here's all the points of the gospel, but he is Lord. And with that comes all the weirdness of saying that, yeah, he's, he's God. God revealed to us. That's the gospel, he says. Don't forget that. Everybody around you is going to try to like dumb it down or lighten it up because it doesn't make sense or they don't like it or it's kind of weird. But don't fall for that. That's Antichrist. Instead, proclaim that Jesus is the Christ. He says, you're anointed. You've been given the knowledge of the truth of Jesus. Don't forget about that. Don't go against my teachings, John's teachings. Don't go against the, what we now call the New Testament. Scripture as a whole. And that's the point to today. To this part of the lesson is to say, stand firm in the faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he's perfect light revealed, that the God who is perfect light and in him there is no darkness, that light is personally revealed to us in Jesus, and that there's no other truth than that. Cling to that, even if somebody teaches something different, even if it doesn't make sense, even if we struggle with it, because we're going to struggle with it at times, to cling to it. Let us love the world, he says. Let us live in the light, shun the darkness, and confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So three takeaways today, in case you're still trying to figure out why I was talking about Winnie the Pooh. The first is that the term Antichrist technically is used by John here only to refer to someone or, or people who, who deny the divinity of Jesus. So they are literally anti-to-Christ. Antichrist. Okay, You could use it, maybe, for other people or terms or whatever, but this is the only place the term occurs in Scripture, is in these, the Johannine epistles. Alright, second, Jesus is the full revelation of the Father, according to John. Jesus is the full revelation of the light that he keeps referring to over and over in these letters. Jesus tells us everything there is to know about the Father in the flesh. Third, as C.S. Lewis puts it, if Jesus was just a good person, then he really would have to either be a liar or a lunatic. Instead, we proclaim, as the church, we proclaim that he is Lord. Even if that makes us look foolish or strange, we proclaim that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand and receive the benediction today as we prepare to go out into a world full of antichrists and, and, and teachings all over the place and confusion. But at the core, when it comes to Jesus, people want to know, was he a liar, was he a lunatic, or was he a Lord? Let us live as a way, in testimony to the fact that he really was Lord. It's hard to accept Jesus just a good person as you, if you think about it. And Jesus was a really good person. Jesus was a great person who was Lord as well. Go forth firm in our foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Go in peace. You're dismissed.